Okay, we need a petition to industry people in Hollywood. Remake Solent Green. All right, who would you cast in in the lead? Who would I cast in the lead? Yeah. Um, okay. I think Hugh Jackman could do a pretty good job. See, I was going to say, I want someone that's distressed, man. Not like, you know, because Hugh, Jack, Hugh Jackman's insanely okay. talented, but I want like a really distressed guy. Ooh, Danny Trejo? No, I mean like distressed isn't like tired all the time. Uh, like Michael Fassbender. Ooh, yeah, I can see that. His psychic could be. Um, it's got to be a guy that like like he picture like eating a steak for the first time in your life and hearing about it forever. Right, you hear about it forever and ever and ever. Like all the rich people eat steak because that's a really brilliant scene. Yeah, when he when he steals it, that. The, the cut of meat. Yeah, they still cut of meat and then they use soap. They take a shower with soap for the first time, remember? Yep. So like, it, it's got to be like, that's got to be such a profound moment. It's got to be an actor that can make that like, holy moly, right? Like, this is the best thing ever. I smell nice. What What is this? What is this smell? I can't believe the smell, you know? Yeah. Well, we might have to circle back to this in another or episode. Brian Cox. Brian Cox would be really oh, good. Oh, Brian Cox. Brian, yeah. okay, that's it. Michael Fassbender... Brian Cox. And Brian Cox Soling doing Green. a new Soling Green Soling remake. Green. Did you know that over $5 trillion exchanges hands on a daily basis? That's an average of over $220 billion an hour. Now how does this much money move every single day and why does it move the way it does? Here on Drunkenomics, two bartenders who also happen to be students at the University of Nebraska Graduate School of Business are going to sit down and drink to the global economy. And try and translate it into English. So sit back, relax, pour yourself a stiff one, and have a drink with us to the comedy that is the global economy. All right, everybody, welcome back to Drunkonomics. I'm just about done with my first round of tequila, about to fill up my second one. And uh, yeah, I think, did I mention this is Drunkonomics? I don't remember because I've been drinking. Well, if you didn't, I will mention that it's Drunkonomics, but a little different this time. Yeah, thank you for covering that base because Live from Dallas, Texas, I'm your very gracious host, Aaron Wong, joined alongside my not-so-gracious host. <laughs> Live from Lincoln, Nebraska, as James Goldwater. <laughs> Whoa, wait, you're in Lincoln? I know, right? How are we doing this? Remotely. <laughs> Whoa, mind blown, man. What a smartass, right? <laughs> I thought I had to be in New York to buy stock in the New York Stock Exchange. I uh, know, it's weird. Turns out you could have been buying it all this time. Oh my gosh, dude. Can you imagine how much wealth I would have lost? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but what's new with you guys? Uh, we're finally separated. We That sounds bad. It does. Not separated. We're not recording in the same room anymore. Yeah. Because... I am officially in Dallas. We took last week off because I had to use my new schedule. We had Labor Day. I had a birthday. It was a busy week. Don't worry. We were drunkenomical. Yes. And I had to get Wi-Fi set up, which I still don't have set up, but I'm trying to manage because I don't want to skip another week. Yeah, we feel bad. And we know this is going to be, and obviously we're we're late. So, whoops. (laughs) Sorry, guys. We're doing our best. Yeah. Uh, So, don't hate us. Um, You know what? I hope you're still drinking with us because, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's, lonely, it's lonely down here in Dallas. Yeah, we promise. Hey, uh, we got uh, that, that big announcement or some of those announcements we were talking about bringing to you guys about, it's up. about the future of the cast. Half of that's happened. Aaron's made the move. We, take, we took a week. Um, we've got more of it coming. We'd hope to have it by this episode. But if not now, we will almost certainly have it next episode for you. So stay tuned. Yeah. I don't want to say too much about it. No, because, just stay tuned. It's going to be really exciting, at least for us, hopefully for you guys too. Yeah. 
So anyways, with that said, let's get into the episode. What's new with you? I don't know. Uh, what happened in the last two weeks? Well, let's see. Uh, well, No one wants Tiffany's. Let's start with- People want Tiffany's and now they don't want Tiffany's. <laughs> yeah, so let's start with last week. Last week, I think the two big headlines, the two big merger headlines that I saw oh, yeah. were the LVMH, which is Louis Vuitton, Moet Hennessy. It's like a luxury goods and... Yeah, French luxury goods brand. And booze. Uh, which is very drunkenomical. They wanted to buy Tiffany, which is a New York-based company. It's a U.S. luxury goods brand, right? So Yeah. So fitting, right? Yeah, it checks uh, out. Yeah. You know, you want to gobble up your quote-unquote competition um, in other markets. So it makes sense. But something happened. I don't know what happened. They, the deal didn't go through. Did you, did you see anything? No, it didn't. So um, what I read was that, uh, that the French government wrote LVMH um, or, you know, so LVMH, Moe Hennessy, uh, wrote them a letter and just kind of communicated with them like, hey, we, we want you to hold back. Not don't do this, but just delay this until October or something. It was, it was they wanted to ask, they asked them for about a month's delay. And um, it, it, it may have been two months. And it's because the French government believes or, or has reason to believe that there may be an imposition of new tariffs by the United States on France. Well, on the EU in general, but on um, mm-hmm. but on French products. So they've said, "Hey, hold back," and um, that caused both companies, Tiffany's and LVMH, to see some declines in their share price. Granted, it was about half a percent for uh, Louis Vuitton Moet Hennessy, and it was about thirteen percent for Tiffany. So, yeah. you know, we we can see who's got uh, the worst. And then um, I guess apparently also Tiffany filed a lawsuit in Delaware to compel LVMH Hennessy to go through and buy them. So it's like, yeah, well, I, cause I, last time Tiffany made headlines, at least headlines that I've noticed, it was about them like potentially going under because of COVID. Uh-huh. So the fact that LVMH had the capital to be like, eh, we're interested in buying you guys out. It's kind of like saving them. Well, I also you know? know that there were some concerns or there are some concerns with um, antitrust um, right. Yeah, issues. I saw that too. And I don't know if it's that they didn't get clearance or they're still waiting for clearance. I mean, um, either way, it wouldn't be. I mean, like, because if you think about like the, the, just some notable names that LVMH owns already, not t- not including Tiffany. So like they already own Ardbeg, which is an excellent single malt scotch. Yes, it is. Uh, Belvedere, which is another excellent single malt scotch. They just started a vodka last week, didn't no, they? No, sorry. I messed up. They're, yeah, Belvedere is a, is a vodka company. I got, I got that confused with Balmore? another- no, not. I don't know. I'm drinking tequila right now, so I'm getting my liquors all mixed up right now. And I don't work at a bar anymore, so it's tough. But they own Glenmorangie too, which is a really good single malt scotch. Like excellent, excellent single malt. Yeah, that's scotch. a solid. Um, did we ever determine they Highland or Spay? Yeah, they put Highland on the bottle, but I'm almost certain that they're a Spay. But no, it, I, I, mean, I would, and that makes sense. No, sorry, no, they're. I lied. They're they're a pure Highland. They, Are okay, they pure I'm Highland? Looking it up right now. Yeah, they're okay. pure Highlands. As I say, I, I do love a La Santa, a Glenmo La Santa. Oh my God, Glenmo La Santa is amazing. That's but they sweet. Do, like the reason why I like Glenmorangi is because they're so good at aging their scotches in other barrels. Like they have a they have a Bordeaux cask, they have a port cask, they have a rum cask, and the La I mean, Santa they, and, and, is the uh, port cask. Uh, so the La Santa is a port cask, right? So, it's but just the, delicious. And, uh, 
No, is the Sansa the sherry cask? I'm pretty sure oh, it's no, the sherry Sansa cask. is the sherry cask. You're right, because it's yeah. sweeter. Yeah, and then... Uh, no, the port cask is... Um, Nectar Nect- Dwar, right? Nectar Dwar, yeah. I think it is. I, I don't know. I think but you're right. They have like the Nectar Dwar 14 and the Nectar Dwar 17. I mean, yeah. like, Glimrongi is awesome. I love Glimrongi. And then, you know, their fashion brands, they own, of course, Christian Dior, they own Louis Vuitton, of course. They own Marc Jacobs, which I think is a really well-known brand. I mean, they, you get on the list. There's so many things that they, they own. Hublot, right? Tag Heuer watches, right? These are really nice watches. So I, I can see the antitrust concern, right? Well, I think it's I think it's that Louis Vuitton was supposed to get antitrust clearance in the U.S. and they didn't, and so oh. that's part of the reason they've had to put pause on the acquisition because they have to get that clearance. But then they also have their own government going, hey, also maybe. Pump the brakes. Yeah. So I think that's what we're that's what we're looking at. So we're seeing so you said October they're probably gonna pass this deal or Well, uh, I guess they, as I look at it now, I, I refound the article again and um, the French government has said, Hey, if you delay till November, December, that's kind of where they well, where they placed it. I, mean, I think the American government should be all for it because I mean this is a you're talking about a giant company that could be going under, not to mention the amount of jobs that LVMH has provided in America because, you know, think, think about how many liquor distributors and bars have made profits off of LVMH products. So, Oh, yeah. But I think that, I mean, the the antitrust question is one that has to be asked. Um, oh, of course. I'm not, I'm not saying it shouldn't be asked. I, I guess I'm not particularly familiar with Tiffany's range of products, so I don't know. I'm not I always assume they're jewelry. And so I don't necessarily know how letting jewelry in with, like, purses and alcohol and... and um, Champagne. And, I guess watches are. I, I and, guess are yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily know how that like affects. Yeah, well, anyways, I don't, I, I don't want to talk too long about this no. because I want to because Ford and uh, um, Ford and Nicola and GM I think are were the really the big headlines for that's what's, a big one too. For yeah. What happened last week? Well, I was gonna say as I see it, GM and Nicola agreed to work together to put out the Nicola whatever they're calling their truck. I don't I don't know what their model is called, yeah. but. Well, I think GM, they announced like several billion dollars, like X billion dollars, and it was in the double digit billion. So it was like 20, it was like 20 or 50 or something like that billion dollars. They announced that kind of ownership position in Nicola. I don't, I, I don't know if I'm saying it right. They were, they were going to buy $20 billion of Nicola Yeah, they're, stock they're coming like in. Um, my understanding is that they were coming in and that they were partnering on the development of this truck. Yeah, um, but, they're, but they're also acquiring a lot of equity because well, of Well, yeah, this. you don't you don't help develop something that you're not also going to profit from yeah. production of, unless you're not particularly interested in existing in the long run. And then at the same time as yeah. all this is happening... Ford has announced that the F-150 will be all elect- will be an electric vehicle starting in 2022. So, or that they will have an electric vehicle option, I guess, in 2022. Yeah, I saw that. So I like this merger or this talk of a merge. I, 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 don't, I can't really call it a merger because several things have start have come from this uh, from these headlines. Because first of all, what I like to point out is like the Ford response to the GM Nicola thing. And I don't even know if it was a response to that. It could have just been a response to Nicola a long time ago. And then they just now announced that their trucks are going to be completely oil-free, gas-free. Like, this is a really good example of game theory. 
of economic game theory in real life. Yeah, yeah. so you know, game theory is a fun is a, is a fun like study area of economics, which is essentially you have to do what's best for everyone, or you do what's best for both people in tournament play. Because we assume well, that you, this is a non-zero sum game, which are some fun concepts just that you'll hear. Yeah, well, I mean, for now it isn't, but <laughs> for now it's not a zero sum game. But the fascinating thing about this is like, did you know that Ford was planning on doing this? I feel like eventually they're going to come around to it because, I mean, that's just kind of like the nature of the industry. Yeah. I mean, we know that hybrid cars are a thing. We see that in a lot of, in a lot of vehicles now. It's, it's, that's not. Yeah, but it's starting to transition just because it used to just be hybrid cars were mm-hmm. hybrid cars. And then now there's sedans that are hybrid. And, th- and then when that became a thing, I was like, oh my God, they, they can make a, they can turn a four door into and They can a do hybrid it there car. too. Yeah, now there's hybrid SUVs and hybrid trucks. And it's like, wow, we did, you yeah, know. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of, so the way I kind of look at this, it's kind of like, um, it's like when Apple came out with the, uh, with the iPhone mm-hmm. and then Everyone else did too. You know, they had a little bit of time where they were up front, where they were the, where they were the first, and then they were the only. And then you have Samsung launching, and you have everyone else launching with their smartphones that are similar but different. And it's yeah. it's the same thing here: is that once someone can show that it can be done, I think I don't necessarily know if I want to use Nikola as the example, but we see it with like Tesla vehicles, Tesla cars. It's a you can yeah. show that okay, we have a car that can run on batteries. It doesn't need gas. It needs to be charged, but every blank you know period, the batteries need to be replaced every now and again but theoretically you come out ahead of them of buying gas um and right, also yeah. that initially you're like okay well how much power can these things produce and then tesla shows you well actually you can get a lot of horsepower out of mm-hmm. it and so they proved it could be done like apple did with the smartphone and now everyone else is going well if, the, if it can be done let's just do it it's kind of like you know it's it's that it's that you have a very finite amount of time if you're the front runner before everyone else can or everyone else tries to can right, get, can get exactly. into the place with you, yeah. Yeah, but the only problem with Nikola is, for those of you who don't know Nikola, their stock jumped like, God, I don't know how much. It went from like 20 to 90, I think is what it was. I don't even remember. And this was like two months ago. The stock just went through the roof. And everybody started talking about it, and the stock went up even more. And then they've fallen down from their heights since. But like at one point, Nikola, on $25,000 of revenue, okay, twenty. I'm not, yep. not, not exaggerating. $25,000 of revenue had a market cap of $25 billion, which is the same market cap as around as like Ford, right? Ford's revenues are in the billions. Nikola's is $25,000. I mean, like if I made $25,000 in a quarter and my market cap or my net worth was $25 billion, what am I doing, yeah. right? What do people see in me, right? Well, they're seeing that whatever you're doing, it hasn't landed yet, but it's about to, and it's going to blow the world away. Mm-hmm. I guess the, the so, issue is at this point, because like Nicola's, Nicola's had to say some things. Yeah. So like so their big thing was that they had, um, they had this announcement video a few years ago where they mm-hmm. showed a semi. And so this is what I liked about Nicola was that they were doing trucks. They weren't doing sports cars. If they, if they were going to be a, an all electric, like Teamsters vehicles, like, like semi trucks. And I was it's like, that's big, giant 18 wheelers. It's really right? exciting. Like no one, yeah, so people ignore that, ship- that there's a lot. Like, yeah, I mean, you talk about all these shipping companies. I mean, yeah. I, I can't even think of all these shipping companies, but like, can you imagine how much, how much they'd be saving, how much they would lean out the supply chain? Oh if yeah. They had or these how, trucks? How, how much you can lean out. And so then there's this idea that, and so then I forget who, but one of the, one of the research firms, Hindenburg, Hindenburg research, Hindenburg research. That's right. Came out and said like, 
we think this is fraud. Like we don't see, we think that Nikola has fundamentally misled its investors and partners that it's not, it hasn't done anything. Like they, they don't have the technology. This is all nonsense. You know, that kind of thing. That This is essentially another, um, oh, what was the one out in Silicon Valley? Oh, another Theranos. Um, there we go. Yeah. yeah so they're saying go. like it's Theranos, another, another there, Theranos. Yeah. And Nikola responded to that, I guess, because they had this video of their truck. And I guess what, what Hindenburg said was, you filmed a model of your truck rolling downhill. Like, yeah. what kind of claim is that? And Nikola's response was that they never stated the truck was under its own propulsion. So, you know, well, it's one of those things where like, well, we there's other things too, because the, the CEO of Nikola has actually been like, no, like, these trucks can actually move on their own and move far, right? Like, oh, yeah, no, no. If you were to take the time and go read like some of the accounting research, it there are because it's accountants that generally do this kind of research, but they mm-hmm. looked at how investors respond to communications from corporate officers and how that affects share price and the different medias they use. So like interviews, tweets, like emails, Facebook, stuff like that, where like uh, some corporate officer might say, like might tweet something out and how the average investor responds to that statistically. Yeah. And it's, it's just insane because like GM is probably sweating buckets right now going like, oh my God, what did we just invest in? Right. Well, yeah. I mean, if there's, if there's the comparison to Theranos, um, GM is the Walgreens in this situation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, there's a reason why why Walgreens is no longer in the S&P. And now they're going, Oh, what did we do? Yeah, there's a reason why Walgreens is no longer in the S&P 500. I forget who they got booted out by. Well, they went, they, they, they got in bed with Theranos without doing any due diligence. In fact, the one guy they sent to do the due diligence went to a bunch of Theranos meetings, tried to look at a bunch of stuff and the Theranos people wouldn't let him. And Walgreens was so scared that Theranos was going to go to CVS that they just blindly stayed in. And I wonder if that's maybe what's happened here with GM is that G- GM is thinking like, if we can do this, if we can help with this development, we can stay competitive with Ford and Tesla and Tesla, right. but we can also be into a position where we're starting to compete with like Mac, like Mac trucks. Right. And so yes. it's, you know, if the due well, diligence and, and is I, there, this is a great idea. If the due diligence isn't there, then someone's yeah, going to be out on his golden parachute. Yeah, exactly. And we still don't know yet. Right. Like we don't know if, if the SEC, like, I mean, there's an SEC probe going on. That's right. On, the SEC right? has, has, has instigated a probe, initiated a probe. Yeah. They're investigating Nicola for fraud. We don't well, not know for fraud if, and, and, for misleading investors. Yeah. There's a slight. Well, well, the term they use in the in the article in the headline was fraud, right? Well, which is you know a form of. It gets to a point where you're, we're misleading investors. There's a point where it's just semantics, and then there's a point where it's just like, oh yeah, no, holy shit, that's fraud. Yeah, exactly. So we, but we, either way, we don't know what's going to substantiate from this. No, we don't know if they're actually committing fraud, or we don't know if they actually have engineers and scientists that can come up and say like, no, like this is going to work. We just need a little bit more time. But mm-hmm. we don't know. Like, like this could pay off hugely for GM, or it could turn GM into the next WBA. Right. Yeah, they're both possible. GM yeah. is, like I said, it's like the, like they say in um in margin call. They're either gonna hate us for they're either gonna hate them for being the first at the door, or they're gonna make fun of them for being right. Yeah, you know, yeah, like it was being, that Paul Bettany in the car at the end yeah, of the movie. You know, if, yeah, if, gosh, if that's we're, one of the ba- one of the best scenes of any movie ever. Yeah, he's sitting there. He's, talk, he's sitting there talking Paul to Bettany in the uh, car. Yeah, uh, the, kid, the guy who just got fired. He wasn't fired yet, but he was probably gonna be. But the kid is uh, gonna be fired. Uh, yeah. I forgot his name. He's not a ta- he's not untalented that actor, but. Now I have to look it up because yeah. Penn Badgley, <laughs> he's sitting there in the car with Penn Badgley and he just says to him, you know, like, you know, 
if we're wrong about all this, they're going to make fun of us for being the biggest pussies God ever let through the door. Yeah. He's like, but if we're right, they're going to hate us for being first. You know, it's just, it's, you know, we're screwed either way. You know, it's just, are we going to be made fun of or vilified? On one hand, you lose a lot of money and you get vilified. And on the other hand, you make a ton of money. Wait, which one did I say first? I don't even remember. I'm too, it's, too, too Well, it's, too it's you lose money either way, but it's like, so I lose a lot of money or I lose a lot of money, but also less money than everyone else. I know, but I'm saying, yeah, but it's like, you've made a ton of money in the last eight years. Do you lose a quarter of that or mm-hmm. do you lose all of that, right? So one scenario, you lose all of that. The other one, you only lose a portion of that. Yeah. So which, but either way, you're vilified. Yeah, do so I come out ahead or do I break one, even? And So which one do you want to be, right? And I mean, that's personally, I'd want to come out ahead. But. Right, so that's, Paul Bettany's whole deal, which he was, and I know we started this, we started this whole podcast talking kind of with some quotes from, from this movie. If you haven't seen it yet, take the time to watch it. Cause there are some really fun just parts in it, you know, oh, people God. say and they Stanley want Tucci's awesome. You know, yeah. Oh yeah. But, but Paul Bettany just, people say they want fair, but if we aren't sitting here with our finger on the scale in their favor, the world gets fair real quick and they don't actually want that. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's a brilliant, brilliant movie. It is. Like it, that. Just it's a good perspective on you know what it's what it's like to actually work in Wall Street. Uh, but anyways, with that said, I want to move on because yeah. uh, by the way, shots, huh? Yeah, there we go. Uh, but uh, that was pretty much the. Those are the the main headlines for last week. What else is new for this week? Oh man, this um, week's been wild. This week's been crazy. This is. I'm so glad we're. We're coming out with this podcast a little bit late this week because yeah. so much has happened this week. If we'd done this Tuesday, we wouldn't about. have gotten a chance to watch uh, to watch J-Pal. Well, first of all, J-Pal, the Snow IPO, Snowflake IPO. And then um, NVIDIA. And then NVIDIA. Let's start with that one. Their merger. That was the first thing that happened this week. Yeah, NVIDIA, NVIDIA, well, NVIDIA announced, merger. I think they announced on Sunday. Or I saw it on Sunday, so it may have been like very early Monday in, in the UK. I, or no, yeah, it, would have been, it. it would have been Sunday because that would have been Monday in Japan, where SoftBank yeah, is. Yeah, so exactly. that makes sense. So Arm Arm is a finance company. I think Arm is a bank. No, Soft. So SoftBank is. Um, SoftBank owns Arm currently. Owns Arm now. Arm is not a bank. Arm is the most important chip designer in the world that doesn't actually produce chips. So Arm is actually. My understanding and my reading of it is that Arm is a uh, essentially it's a chip architect. Okay. So for microchips and microphones, they create the architecture for um, for microchips. Arm they, Holdings is the company, yeah. right? But yeah, so Nvidia has said that they are that they have made a deal with um, the Japanese tech firm SoftBank, and that they are going to buy Arm for a forty billion dollars. As I yeah. is the is That's the what I saw is too. the dollar value I saw put on it. Yeah, so, SoftBank is kind of SoftBank. I, aren't they in desperate times right now? They're, I know that they're a Japanese tech firm. I don't think they're a bank either. I think they just, I think, I think it's supposed to be like some sort of like software bank or something that they just do a lot of technology stuff and it's just the bank of where it all yeah, ends up. But I, but I think I, last I heard they were going through some desperate times right now. Yeah. I feel like it's a- they're, they're, I mean, you don't sell something as critical to the world, as important to the world as arm. Oh, unless no, you're desperate be- for, you know, Desperate or refocusing. Yeah, they're a VC firm that that uh, focuses on uh, internet, internet of things, yeah, internet of AI, things. robotics, them. internet of things. Yeah, this, yeah, and semiconductors. Yeah. So, and so I know that, that what they're saying. So Nvidia said they're going to do twenty one point five billion in stock, twelve billion in cash. 
And then if SoftBank hits their performance target, or uh, I'm sorry, if ARM, ARM, if ARM yeah. hits its performance targets after that, and SoftBank can get an additional five billion, and ARMs will get, and ARM will get 1.5 billion, ARM employees will get 1.5 billion dollars worth of Nvidia shares. So, right. So there's yeah. So like I'm looking at like some of SoftBank's major holdings. This is all according to Wikipedia. So uh, so don't quote me on this. Yeah. But like some of their biggest holdings are T-Mobile, Brightstar, Yahoo for Japan, J- Japan Yahoo. Yeah, Alibaba, yep. Boston Dynamics, WeWork, and of course Arm. Right, so a pretty big VC firm, if you don't mind me saying. You know, yeah, it's um. So the other interesting things to me, I guess, about this like Arm transaction is that um, even when when SoftBank bought Arm, there were issues in England, there were problems. They didn't want that to happen, mm-hmm. and now there uh, once more there are fears that that there will be issues. As I see it, like the British government forced SoftBank to keep ARM headquartered in the UK and double the British staff in five years. Uh-huh. It remains to be seen because because the, the British government has the right to refuse this sale. They can stop. Yeah, they can dude. block this transaction. And so it'll be inter- it'll be interesting to see what they do, what things they might force Nvidia to agree to. Yeah. So from the looks of it, Nvidia is actually just they're not buying all of ARM. They're buying ninety percent of it. They're keep they're letting. Uh, SoftBank, hang on to the to the last ten percent. Yeah, but when you buy when you own ninety percent of something, you own, yeah, you yeah. have all the voting power. Yeah, it's, it's so not a complete. Trump, it's, yeah. it's it's there. I mean, there's there's a difference between ownership and control in business, and we could do a whole episode on the difference. But um, yeah, when you have ninety percent, sure. you have ownership and control. Yeah, absolutely. Ten percent, you're just sharing profits. That's ten percent. You, you have ten percent. You have ownership, but no control. And profit sharing potential. Uh, yeah. Or cash flow. Uh, you know, uh, if there is cash flows like dividends oh, and yeah. stuff, yield right. But yeah, I mean, like Nvidia to me is a really—it's an insanely valuable company. Uh, Jensen Huang, who is the CEO and co-founder of Nvidia, that guy as a businessman, I have so much respect for. Um, I mean, that guy's brilliant. I love the so, firm. I, I love how it's still described in most places as a graphic chip maker, uh-huh. which is true. They do that. But if you look at Nvidia as a company, it's got kind of two major arms. There's like there there is like the the gaming arm, yeah, which is the graphics side. chips, the graphic you know the graphic uh-huh. cards. But then the other half, probably more than the more than half at this point, is their um, is their cloud the cloud computing, the cloud the computing, computing arm. Yeah, and so it's it's it, essentially it's servers. It's their ability to produce essentially the cloud, and that's what if you if you go back through some of our older episodes, you'll hear us talk about, and you'll hear me talk about. Say, you know, Nvidia blew away. You know, this is in the fourth in the first quarter of this year, right? As China's about to shut down. Nvidia reports their fourth quarter nineteen um, financial record, uh, you know, financials, and it just blows everything away. Uh, their cloud like, computing side of things, their cloud storage side of things, just absolutely, well rev- yeah, well exceeded revenue expectations, blew well, out expectations, and so the yeah. stock price just shoots through the roof. But we're sitting here, and I'm sitting, and it's the next day, and it's like, look, Korea's already shut down car production. China's closed to trade. Like, why are you? Looking at something that happened, you know, fourth quarter 2019 and ignoring what's, you know, it's like, it's like driving down the highway, speeding and noticing that the cop behind you has discontinued the pursuit, but, but only being looking in the rear view mirror. If you don't look ahead of you, you're not going to realize that you're about to drive up the backside of a semi. And, um, for all I know, it's the Nikola truck that is, that can't drive. <laughs> you're about, you know, you're about to have a really bad day. And then of course, you know, three weeks later, it must have been February when we recorded it because we get into March and then just everything tanks and it's like, wow. Yeah. And, and I, I think I, I may have even I mean, said this on the podcast, but I know I said it to Aaron at one point where it's just like, wow, no one saw this coming. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How did you not see this coming? Like this is and, this is obvious. This re- it's like, you know, and the only thing we've been talking about since we started, because obviously when we started was the beginning of all this, and then you know we've seen it pretty much transpire from almost thirty thousand to what was it eighteen thousand? The Dow. Yeah, you know, it was like. It was almost Dow 30 and then dropping down to about 18,000. We were like, did no one really saw us coming? Really? And then it recovered like that. It was no, the market recovered. And the it's, mar- it's, I, it's, it's saying, one of the things I'm that you've I'm saying the Dow recovered oh, yeah. instantly because we've talked about this over and over and over again. The disconnect between the economy and the markets, and, and, and that becomes a narrative. I mean, they fi- like they're finally talking about it on CNBC, right? Yeah, they, finally it's finally they it. have finally said some stuff, which is nice. They're finally talking about it on these major TV networks that cover business news and economic news. There's a major, major disconnect. I, I mean, it's painful. How yeah, which is which is, is why, like, we like, at some point we'll talk. Maybe even like, are we? Do we still have time to talk about the difference between market cap and like book value? <laughs> yeah. So let's well let, let's get into that real quick because oh, I also wanted to talk about the the snow IPO. Right. Yeah. Well, it's the perfect. This, that, this is the perfect time to talk about the snow IPO. Yeah, because Snowflake they're like an oracle, right? Yeah. They're well, they're um. Yeah, they're, they're cloud-based data management, right? So it's... Mm-hmm. So kind of not really, but kind yeah, of. Yeah, they would, they would be... Oracle would be Snowflake if Oracle has started in the day of cloud computing. Right, if 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 Oracle had yeah, if, if or- Oracle hadn't preceded cloud computing, Oracle's like the Oracle's a software company. So basically, like if you like the University of Nebraska, for instance, is a big customer of Oracle, mm-hmm. right? All the login information, the storage, you know, storage for like your homework, uh, how you submit it, how it goes through a process once it's submitted and gets to the professor. That's all done through Oracle's software system. Yeah. Snowflake, I, I don't even know what they do. I just know warm. The only thing I saw about Snowflake and Sam Edge, our, one of our most loyal followers in Australia, he sent us a message on Instagram talking about Warren Buffett's interest and stake in Snowflake. And That's a why pretty big stake too. Kinda, 30% or something? Um, I don't know for sure. Um, he sent me the article, but it was, it was, it was one of those deals because like – we t- we talk on the show all the time about how much we love Warren Buffett, and we do. We love yeah, Warren he's Buffett. usually a pretty good barometer. Exactly. So Warren Buffett, I think, cashed in three billion. I That's think. Right. Or hold on, Berkshire Hathaway invested seven hundred thirty-five million into the firm, which is a ton of money. Yeah, that's that's not um, jump change. But in the, yeah, but in the grand scheme of things, so like this is a very young company. They IPO'd, and the market cap became what. At its peak was what eighty billion? I was seventy, almost eighty billion. At, at their peak, when they were, when okay. they were worth three hundred nineteen dollars a share, they were seventy billion, seventy yeah, and a half. Billion. At one point, at one point, they were worth three hundred nineteen dollars a share. I don't yep. know how many shares are outstanding, but if you do the math, I'm sure I, I'm almost certain that that's almost eighty billion, if not more. So this goes to show, like the difference between market cap and the actual value of a company. Yeah, exactly. Because we talk well, about market cap all the time, which is just number of shares outstanding times the price at a given moment. Mm-hmm. That doesn't affect a business's day-to-day operations, unless it's an investment no. house. And then the change in other shares can affect, because those are assets to its books. Yeah, but uh, I mean, that's... But that is not what Snowflake does. And, and even still, like, you know, let's say you're a firm like like Blackstone, right? Where like your market cap is literally based off the market cap of other companies. Not because they own those companies, but it's because they manage portfolios that have shares in those companies. And those market caps are fluctuating all the time. But like, even still, like Blackstone has a cash flows. They have a balance sheet. Yeah, they have assets. And yes, those assets are fluctuating all the time. Yeah. But then you look at a company like Snowflake, their market cap was almost at $80 billion at one point. 
as we record yesterday. So, yeah, and what, but, yes. what are, but what assets do they have that get them to that eighty billion? They don't. There's no asset that's going to get them there. It's it's there's a special account down in retained earnings called additional paid in capital, and that's where all of mm-hmm. that is. It's just people were willing to pay blank amount more than the par value of the stock, and so we have to put it somewhere. Yeah. So like, if your stock price goes up through the roof and your book value is still pretty steady, I mean, yeah, you'll see in your you know statement of cash flows, you see a nice little. A nice little section in the cash flows from financing. Fantastic. Good for you. Well, if, if you <laughs> if you sell any shares, yeah. But if, if you're not you, selling yeah. shares, so say if the firm has no treasury stock and it's not issuing any shares, the day-to-day fluctuations of the market do not affect your books. Don't, don't at affect all. you at all. So that's what I meant. Like, yeah, if you're if you're selling treasury stock. But like, I mean, if your share prices go up and down and sideways and in circles, you know, like it doesn't matter. It doesn't affect your. It doesn't affect your actual cash flows unless you're selling them. Because what I mean, the, the shares that are out there are are out there. It's between yeah, you know, people yeah. Betting if if on company you. A exists, it doesn't really matter what B and D are willing to sell a share for. Company A is sitting here going, okay, someone. It's why it's called the secondary market because right, the, yeah, like the primary market is when the company actually sells to you. Yeah, exactly. Because like, if I buy a hundred thousand shares of Facebook right now, Mark Zuckerberg doesn't see any of that money. It's just it's a secondary market unless the seller, right? But Facebook isn't selling those shares to you. Odds are they're not. I mean, odds are it's some brokerage, some giant brokerage out there. Yeah, it's some people that are currently holding shares that are trying to move them. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I want to talk about this market cap, kind of the disconnect between the market cap and book value, because you learn in finance, you learn anything about like asset valuation or not asset valuation, but like stock valuation in finance, what you do is... You look at what the what the stock is currently trading at. You look at a few things in their balance sheet and their uh, and their financial statements. But from there, you take a snapshot of what it's at right now, and you project it five years from now. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you take the terminal value, which the terminal value is a fancy way of saying the dollar amount if you discounted all of its future cash flows, all of it from in from now to infinity, all of its future cash flows. You've discounted that to today's dollars. There's a dollar amount for that. Apparently, you add that to the next five years or whatever, because you discount five years and then from five plus or 10 plus or however you want to do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You discount all of that. And then there's a dollar amount divided by shares outstanding. Boom. That's the stock price. Mm-hmm. Yeah, boy. And I, let me, and let me tell you, in accounting, it's really different. You look at the assets and you go, all right, what's it all worth? <laughs> And then you use yeah. the lesser of, um, you use a simple rule. It's the lesser of, uh, of either what you paid or of what you think you can sell it for. That's how you, and that's how you value things at the lower amount. Yeah. Well, I paid 50 bucks for it. What can you sell it for? 70 bucks. It's worth 50 bucks because that's what you paid for it. That's what you'd have to, that's what would have cost you to replace it. Okay. What about this thing? What'd you pay for it? 50 bucks. What can you sell it for? 30 bucks. $30. Cause that's what we think you can sell it for. Yeah. Got to value that's, it. That's there. how much you can, it's how much you can salvage it for. Right. Exactly. So, so it's, it's, it's the, it's the lesser, the lower of two, the lower of, um, the lower of either replacement cost or sales price or expected sales price. And you have to use the lowest one. You can't use the one that makes your books look good. You have to use the one that. That you could see that legitimately you'd be like, okay, this is well, what I, mean, I can no actually one, get. No, yeah. Well, I mean, no one follows gap principles anyways. So, I mean, wow. It's a bold strategy, <laughs> that, CFO Wong. That's actually a thing though. No one really Jesus, follows did, gap Do you anymore. work for Wirecard? What's going on? Dude, it's, I mean, like, it's like 12% gap now. I mean, that's what everything is. Well, no one, no one who's valuing firms looks at that. That's not what they care about. 
I, I agree. And, well, they do, they, they do to accept they care that you're using gap value so that the books are accurate, but they don't care about that. They just go, okay, well, there's the cash and then there's any like real estate stuff that we think is valuable. And then they piss off to come up with some new value. Yeah. But this, I mean, they'll look at your assets and be like 12 billion real estate. Sounds accurate. Whatever. I mean, like, oh, they yeah. don't really care. Oh, yeah, no, 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 yeah. They're not going to go and send an appraiser and, and look at, you know, like, you, you have an office, you have, an, you have a campus in San Francisco. Well, they might. They might. If, if, I, if I valued this, uh, if I valued the basement podcastery at a uh, podcast studio here at a billion dollars, I have a sneaking suspicion the IRS might turn up. I understand that, but I'm just saying, like, you know. No, like, you, no you're right. It, you're like, you're no right. No one's going to. No one's going to go appraise Amazon's real estate unless they are the IRS, right? So, No, no one's going to appraise the real estate because they look at the real estate and they go, well, it's not how much it's worth. It's what, what's done there, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Like how, much, like how much Amazon is profiting off of this piece of real estate. Yeah, off of this that, cost that's how, that, I, that's how valuable the, the real estate is. You know, like it's like when you buy a house, you know, how much cash you generate from renting it out to tenants but yeah but anyways that's the ultimate disconnect between yes it's at some point at some point someone starts going well what's all the future value of the income of the of the revenues from this place whereas that there's you know someone's saying well if we and i think the funny thing is if we look at it most people if they're lucky will live to be 100 years old i mean not even that long 80 let's say 80 but if say say let's say you lived 100 years if someone comes to you and says hey well the course of the entire life of this thing it's going to be worth 8.6 million dollars what do you pay for today my response is going to be well, I'm going to die in 50 years, so not that. Yeah, well, and the other big problem, too, is like now the hot thing to talk about is, dude, can you imagine what it would have been like if you got into Apple in the 80s? Like if you put $1,000 of Apple into the 80s, you, you'd have 200000 I don't know, fake. Yeah, but that's like, but that's like saying, hey, dude, could you imagine if you were born as a member of the royal family? Like, I know, it's the same, okay. it's the same thing, but that's the hot thing to talk about now. Well, so, so it's more dangerous, now, though, because you're trying to convince people a, it, to, like, take a risk. I'm not saying, I know, I'm not saying I'm talking about it. Oh, I know, I know, I know, I know, like, I know, but it's like people that know. are like, did you imagine if you got into Amazon in 1990s or in 2001 when it was at its all-time low? And it's like, yeah, you could have made a lot of money then. But right. here's my warning. If anyone looks at you and they're, like, any kind of, kind of investment, they say, like, and it's not like... This company, blah, 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 is, is, is functioning in a way we expect we project growth. It would be like getting in on the ground floor. Blah, blah, blah. But it's because you might as well put your money in here because it's going to be like getting in on Amazon at like 2001 or well, Apple in but the I 80s. Think that's what, it's I, like, I honestly think that's what's happening with Nicola and that's what's happening with Snowflake. That's right? what people are thinking, yeah. Well, I think the thing is with, so Nicola, there's some question about whether the product is actually a product. But with Snowflake, yeah, and- I think that there's, I think that it, it, it definitely, I mean, let's put it this way. It closed yesterday at 70.4 billion. It closed today at 63.1 billion in market share, which means that it lost 10% of its market share yeah. in a well, day. Yeah, well, stock price went down to, yeah. Um, do I think that it went up too high? Sure. Do I think that Snowflake is a viable firm and that it's going to... Well, I'll tell you this. In terms of this, I mean, like, is the company going to succeed? Is the company going to, you know, earn revenues and profits from an accounting perspective? Yeah. Is it maybe the investment child that everyone thought it was going to be? Probably not. Snowflake's going to do great no matter what. Yeah. At least I think they will. I I think they have a pretty sound business structure. But, like, from the looks of it, like, who does market cap affect and who does a book value affect, Right. Like the snow IPO, this from the snow IPO, like the CEO made a ton of money yeah. off of IPO. Oh yeah, when when Twitter IPO'd and when when Square IPO'd, you know, 
the CEO of both of those firms just made just became billionaires. You know, like four people became billionaires when Square IPO. Yeah, but that's because remember, so many guys like when you when you're in a startup like that, almost all of your like you're getting paid almost entirely in stock. No, yeah, exactly. Right. Like it's it's a pro to, no to, to, to like lengthen the runway of the firm, to lengthen the runway of their venture yeah, you're capital. Very, you're very cash poor, but you're wealthy, right? So yeah. but yeah, like the snow IPO, I mean those guys all became billionaires overnight, right? And they were supposed to they were supposed to open at one twenty five. Like that was their like agreed upon opening, open price. Yeah. And they they ended up opening because so many people got into snow before they actually opened that they ended up opening at a way higher price than one twenty five. Oh, futures. It's, that's the that's the whole. Now we're at futures contracts again. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I don't even know what they opened at because it was just like one twenty five. I mean, it's it's like they weren't even ever priced at one twenty five. Well, no, know? because some some options trader came in and said, "I'll sell you the right to buy at one twenty five. And they probably already had some. Sure. I mean, it was probably and they, covered yeah, contract and, they, they, and they'd already signed so, an option, right, with someone. So they turned around and said, "Well, I'll sell the option to buy at one twenty six or something." You know, yeah, I mean, and so the options bit, traders probably, making a little bit more beyond that strike price. Well, but yeah, yeah, but, I, yeah, but we're sitting here, but and this option trader is, you know, he's making his money off of the difference between strike prices and then a, the premium being paid on top of that. Oh yeah, so I, I mean, every, everybody's getting rich, and off so of he's this. getting rich, and someone else is going well. I think it's going to be worth more than that because look at the futures. The futures prices are shooting through the roof. And we could go back and we could actually like look at the night before and look at the futures contracts. We could see what futures were doing. Yeah. And then we can go in and look at option volumes. We can look at the options volumes. And if they were up, then we can, yeah, we can make that statement with with an absolute certainty. But, um, But, you know, but I haven't done that. Yeah, I didn't do it. Well, and I don't don't know like how to find, like is volume an accessible, like is is that an accessible piece of information when it comes to... I, I know it is, but I'm just saying, like, when it comes to a brand new stock like that, I've never looked for volumes on a brand new stock. Yeah, I've never looked for I mean? I've never looked for it on something that hasn't offered yet. So on one, I guess the question would be because there's no. I th- yeah, and the tough it, thing is, it must like, be the, there. Yeah, but the tough thing too is like, so like the next day, the vol like the volume data is archived, right? So like like when, when you look at volumes for options, like the next day, it's you know options. You see like the bid, the bid price, the asking price the last price and you see all these different things and you see volume, right? And then volume is like 800 contracts or 10,000 contracts or whatever it is. That's for that day. So as soon as the day is done, that's, that's zero. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. And that's, it's, we'd have to go back into archives and we'd have to pull it up and we'd have to look and that's how we do it, which we probably should, but yeah, but, uh, I've drank too much tequila. So, and we've gone a little long. Yeah. Dude, but this has been this has been fun, man. It's this good is, to be uh, back. It's good to be back. No, and next I, like, week back on Monday. I know. Is that still like, that's still a day that works? Yes, it is. The reason why this these last couple of weeks have been so bad is because my Wi-Fi hasn't been set up yet. So. Yeah, no, you'll have Wi-Fi. You will be moved. Yes. You won't I'll, be moving, my, right? You won't be in the first yeah. week of your job. Yeah, my place will be set up. And then one of these days I'm going to do a video on options. So it's okay. One of these days I'm going to do a video on uh, accounting, on balance sheet stuff. Yeah, yeah, dude, that'd be awesome. I think that's what I want to. I think that's what we should do. We should start doing some videos where we just kind of. Yeah, well, you do your videos in accounting, and I'll do my videos in finance. And hopefully we can marry them together at some point where we go like, this is where theoretically they talk to each other. Well, 
finance and accounting are completely unrelated, so I don't understand <laughs> what you're seeing at I all. I know. Do you know? So my <laughs> so my my dad always used to tell me a joke. Um, so my dad, for those of you that don't know, if this makes the episode, for those of you that don't know, my dad's a university professor. He's an accounting professor at UCF. So if it's really difficult to figure out which one of the which one of him is which one of the professors there is my dad, you can just figure out what our names are. It'll stand out. But uh, he always told me, and uh, it was just that finance. He said, "What do you call a finance student?" And I said, "I don't." No, he's like, oh, failed accountant. Yeah, <laughs> we've mentioned that several times. We but have, but now I'm t- blowing up and saying, hey, if you want to go harass him in his office, he's in. He's in yeah. the Dixon School of Accounting. Every time you mention it, it, gets better, though. I don't know about that, but I mean, I'm gonna keep doing it. So I only have like five jokes, guys. Yeah. So if you have dementia. They're all funny. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to knock on people with dementia, but uh, whatever. Um, anyways, I'm going to cue some music, or it might have been cued already by now. Who knows? Just want to give a quick shout out to our social media platforms, at Drunkonomical, D-R-U-N-K-E-N-O-M-I-C-A-L. Even in Texas, I'm still good at that. Am I wrong? Must be the tequila. Dude, it's the tequila, man. I'm telling you. I'm like, dude, I'm all over right. half ball gone. And I just Whew, opened it. Buddy. All right. Yeah, but yeah, so, so you can find us on, let's see, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We just started uh, our own Discord. I'm working on it. I'm getting it up. Uh, I'm, get, I'm getting it up. And when it's up, we're going to public. We're going to make it public. It'll be a group one um, where you can come in and start so, talking to us. Yeah. So if you want to be a part of our Discord channel, let us know on our social media platforms. And we'll, we'll send you and some from- invites because we want to do some beta testing on how, like, you know, how, how we can make it work so that when we do make it like a public group, that it, suddenly it's not being run by, like, I don't know some group that isn't us right yeah so and and for our patrons right so Mm -hmm. we have a patreon account p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot c-o-m slash drunkenomics d-r-u-n-k-e-n-o-m-i-c-s d-r-u-n-k-e-n-o-m-i-c-s there we go yes sorry patreon slash drunkenomics for the people that are generous enough to donate on that, we're gonna set up a special channel for we you actually guys. Already, we, we already have that set up. We're just gonna we're actually, well, exactly. We'll we push that invite out. One, once we've got things going, we'll push an invite out to you guys. If you if you get hold of us or contact us, maybe the and end of September, beginning of October. So once yeah. Aaron has his Wi-Fi set up, and we'll yeah. So the people that donate to us on Patreon, and of course people like Buffalo Chase, who hey, hey. and we, we got everyone kind else. enough to. Yeah, who are kind enough to fuel an episode by shipping us a bottle of booze such as Michter's, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a special channel for you guys to interact with us. Um, you can ask us questions. I mean, not that our opinions are that valuable, but, you know, whatever. I'm a terrible salesman. What am I saying? <laughs> yeah, no, but it's, it's a good point. We can interact with us a little more. We can... Because I know we've tr- we try to answer your questions as best we can um, in the show, but we do know that we're cursory, so uh, we're trying yeah. to create um, some more personalized content for you guys where we try to answer you much more specifically. Yeah, who knows? Maybe we'll give you a few cool cocktail recipes. I'll give you golf tips. I don't know. The U.S. Open just started, which I'm pretty excited about, but anyways, yeah. whatever. And then Aaron, so Aaron will have his Wi-Fi set up this weekend, so next week we'll be back to normal. And um, keep sending some questions in, guys, because... It's, it's always nice to know what kind of content you want to hear so then we can try and tailor the direction we're going in. I don't know, so you guys are more excited and we're not just talking heads. Yeah, exactly. With that said, exciting news to come out, but I'm tired of talking. So I don't know if I have anything else to say. Do I have anything else to say? Is it the stars and... St- no. Nope. No, it's not Did that. Did I say chestnut? No, chest, chest, it's chestnut checkers. No. Not bragging. Fill and kill. And what? I know you're oh. in Texas, but I need you to... Um, Stay drunk and alcohol, my friends. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs>